it's a terrible habit that I've spent a lifetime so far trying to get better about dealing with because my natural inclination is always to just jump in and disagree. Yeah. And I feel like if I had learned this lesson earlier, I might be farther than I am right now. And I wish I had more time to spend developing what I already know I need to do, which is listening more and learning. And maybe in particular listening to Jeff. Jeff is exempt from this rule. (laughs) He will listen to me forever and he knows it. That's why he's so scared. Hello and welcome to Dark on the Page. I'm your host, Dave Buda. Uh, Today, I'm really excited to be with my new friends, Jeff and Kyle. Um, They have a podcast called Writers Who Don't Write. And I met up with them in New York City a few weeks ago and uh, just excited to share this with you. Um, I, as I explained in the beginning of the episode, I actually just found these guys on iTunes and reached out to them and said, uh, I like the name of your podcast, <laughs> Writers Who Don't Write. And I had listened to a few of their episodes and I thought they did a great job. Um, and so we connected as fellow humble writers who talk about the creative process. And we sat down in their apartment in, in New York City and had a nice conversation. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, as you've noticed, I've been posting maybe a little more often lately. Um, that's, uh, I've just, for whatever reason, resurgence of dark in the page energy. I've got some people I want to talk to back in California when I get back there. Right now I'm in the wonderful city of New Orleans, and it's been nice. I used to live here for six months back in the day. And, um, yeah, it's it's nice being here. Um, other updates. Um, yeah, if you, uh, you know, I want to say if you're a Dark in the Page listener and I haven't heard from you and you're like a big time fan, um, send, me, send me an email, darkinthepage at gmail.com. And if you want, I'll add you to the Dark in the Page um, discussion group on Facebook. We have a good little group of uh, listeners and and fans who are on there and we all get together and we can discuss the episodes and all that kind of stuff. And it's a fun group. Um, so shout out to the Thunderdome as well for those people on there. Uh, yeah, I guess there's not much more to say. I've been trying to make longer, more rambling intros and, um, yeah, that's about it. So, um, here it is my conversation with Jeff and Kyle from the podcast writers who don't write. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, this is really nice to be here. Friends, Jeff and Kyle. Uh, my name is Dave Buddha. I host a podcast called Dark on the Page. I talk about the creative process. Here we are, writers who don't write, Jeff and Kyle doing a podcast about a similar thing. And so uh, we're doing a little collaboration episode, a little podcasters to come together, collaborate. Uh, you can't see <laughs> it, but right now we've Does united hands our hands in the middle of the table like, that we're like talking about. It's a beam over. of light coming. <laughs> it's kind and, of amazing. Uh, and, and and we're 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 drinking as tradition. Yes, this is. Uh, we don't actually talk about it on our show, but oh, it is tradition for us to it. drink with our yeah, guests. They now everyone knows. <laughs> I, that's what this is all about, though. I think giving we, up our. We secrets. say that because we want people to know that we're like cool and hip and like not hip, but like we're like we're like loose and fun. We're just <laughs> like you guys. That's it. Yeah, you know, loose and fun. It's what you do on Saturdays in New York. You just drink all day. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. If you're and, um, I'll just say a little bit of how I uh, found you guys and. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I was searching through the iPod. I don't know if I was searching through. Maybe I was just looking on the iTunes, um, and I saw this name of this podcast, Writers Who Don't Write. 
And I really liked it because I thought to myself, well, I'm a writer who doesn't write occasionally. And, um, you know, I just like the humble nature of the conversation. You're not starting by being like, you know, how to write a bestseller podcast, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, it's just fun. It's like that's the thing I think writers have in common. Like we all struggle. We're all addicts. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but like we all uh, I mean, struggle. We did, like we did lot, make you, you drink know? beer at 1230. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, all, we all struggle in some way because the writing process is very humbling, I think. The creative process in general is just humbling. You could be Stephen King and you're still sitting down and like, God damn, today's the day. You know, I just can't, can't think of anything. Everyone starts with a blank page. And so I think that's what I like about it. Um, and also the reason that I think the people I enjoy talking to are people that, that do get humbled by it. Like, I've had some people approach me and be like, hey, can I, you know, can, can I be a guest on the show? And my only really criteria is like, have they like, like have they battled with the creative process? Because if you do it whenever you feel like it, then you probably haven't like really battled with it as much. You know, some people that are just like, yeah, I write poetry, I do this and that, but they don't, they just kind of do it whenever inspiration strikes. But if you have like a reason to have to go like, all right, I, I need to get some good shit out this week. That's, I think, when you really discover like who you are and what you're made of as a creative person. That's one of my theories. I think that's, I mean, as someone who works in the creative industry on a daily basis, uh, my day job is actually editor slash animator for an agency. So as someone who doesn't write, but as someone who regularly deals with feedback in a creative way, there is nothing more humble than having someone who hasn't been involved come in and just destroy the work that you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into over the last week or month or mm -hmm. sometimes even longer than that. And I think that's one of the more attractive things for me, even considering, you know, Jeff and I have started a writing group that we sometimes semi-monthly meet and go over each other's work. And everyone has the same experience where it's like your, your first reaction to getting feedback is to jump in and try and defend yourself. And then it's denial, and then it's everyone else is wrong, and you're the best writer ever. And then slowly <laughs> but surely, you come to the realization that, hey, maybe you don't know everything about everything. You're not Shakespeare. But at the same time, you know, I think there is some validity to like having, you know, that kind of uh, that pause when you listen to other people talking about your work because, you know, you are the one who always knows what. You, you're the one who always knows best what you're doing. This is probably the fundamental difference between but us. But he didn't even we didn't even critique his work. He's, yeah. just getting, he's like pre-defensing. Yeah. I think I think the defensive <laughs> nature of that is is one of the most important parts, though, because I mean you really do need to like stand up for what you believe in. And um, I mean, yeah, obviously everybody can always use an editor and, and like a good critique, but at the same time, like you you know your work better than anybody else. Well, there's a difference between standing up for what you believe in and recognizing when maybe you're not communicating the idea as effectively as you could have, which is m the majority <laughs> of the feedback that we get. It's like, hey, I right. don't really understand. Yeah, I think, I think, and I think a good editor, you know, tr you know, treads lightly on some areas. Like, they're not going to be like, <laughs> maybe you should reconsider your entire life purpose. Like, you know, they're, they're going to be like, you know, I like this point, but how could you make it a little better? We can make it a little clearer. Or this is, you know, maybe a little more brief or whatever. You know, they're going to, but yeah, the big concepts. And this I think is, that this you need to like I, have conviction in your own like what you really believe in. This is why I will never write a thesis because I don't want to defend my dissertation. Well, you could have Kyle edit it. He's yeah. <laughs> well. That's I mean that's what a good editor does anyways because they know you're going to ask yourself that question after they give their feedback anyways. Yeah. It's going to be like, well, fuck. If I have to rewrite this whole thing, what am I doing with my life? Well, also yeah. also <laughs> something I've noticed is like you know using this writing group as an example. And I mean anybody who's ever taken a writing class in college can can relate to this. I think. Um, 
when you hear people like critique your work the same way 10 times in a row, you're going to, you're going to fix that mistake the next time you write a story, you know, well, you're the, not going to do it again. Yeah. The point I was slowly working my way towards is that like, I don't think it's possible to get through this process without a healthy dose of humility. Like there's just no way to come out on the other side and grow and not like realize that you are very far from where you'd like to be in terms of creative prowess. Yeah. I've gotten better at, at having friends edit my work and because I prep them better. I used to just say, hey, what do you think about this? And then they would give me you know, the feedback. But I'll say now, because as I write and I publish every week on, my, on, a, on, a, on a blog, so about a thousand word article. And there's sometimes where I know I'm not going to put much more effort into this. Sometimes where it's like maybe I publish on Wednesdays and it's like Sunday and I'm like, hey, take a look at this. And if there's like major stuff that they want changed, like I'm down to do that. But if it's like Tuesday night and I just kind of want someone to look it over and see like, it, you know, because I've just been staring at this thing for a week, mm -hmm. then I'll tell them, hey, like, I'm not, this is not going to change in like a major way, you know, and I'm mostly just wanting you to tell me that you think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I need that And it's like, you know. Validate. So I want you to like kind of spin it in a positive way. And um, context is And king. then it depends, you know, like I feel like one of the things that that I'll do is I'll, I'll I like involving just close friends in my work and. And um, I found especially women, especially women that I'm just starting to get romantically involved in, they're usually really, really positive. So they're really good people to, to, to send work to. But I also know I'm not, I might not get some like harsh criticism if I need it. So if I need, so it's like you kind of have to know the person too. Yeah. You know, if the person's just like you're, you're like a fan of your work, you might need to be like, hey, like I, if something doesn't work, I really want you to tell me. But if someone's like kind of a dick, then you might be like, I just want you to be nice. You kind of want to just like say, you know, you want to give. Well, I think, oh. I, I mean, presumably the people listening to, to both, you know, writers who don't write and darken the page are, are writers or want to be writers. Um, and I think that you kind of hit on something really important because it is so incredibly important to make sure that you surround yourself by people uh, or with people who you have like uh, similar aesthetics and similar values and similar, you know, practices in writing. Um, you know, when I first, I worked in book publishing for about five years and uh, when I started going to these readings, everybody had a writing group. That was like the one threat, mm. like everybody had people that they trust to send their work to, um, which is why we created, you know, this writing group. Uh, and it's just a bunch of friends from college and high school that meet up and, you know, we talk about, you know, sometimes it's satire, sometimes it's short stories, essays, poetry. Um, half the time we don't know what the hell we're doing, but, uh, you know, we trust the people to, to say that, like if they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. So. All right. So now I have a really important question. Um, I actually haven't done a writing group, so I'm like, this is one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm glad to do this podcast because I learned <laughs> stuff like this. Do you want um, to join our writing group? Well, I had I live in California. But yeah, we yeah, have we, we have, Skype we have people, people that Skype in from sure. all over. Yeah, although the time difference might be weird. Yeah, we're not no, we're not trying to. to force you to join the writing group. By the way, you're yeah, allowed yeah. to say no. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I, I'm very interested in it. I'd like to find out more. Um, but tell me about like, so let's say someone's like me and doesn't know much about writing groups, and they're like, well, how does this work? I live in you know Omaha or whatever, and so. How do you do it? There's nothing wrong with Omaha. I'm sure there's plenty of writers in Omaha. Omaha is great. I was I just there last week. Um, you know what? I don't know if there's much to do in Omaha besides write. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry for anyone who's in Omaha. I've never actually been. I've heard it's lovely. So maybe there's wonderful writing yeah. groups there. But uh, <laughs> tell me about a writing group and then how one may start one or find one if they're interested in this. I mean, mostly, yeah, I'm going to jump in. Because it's a powerful yeah, statement to say, right like, off. all these published authors had writing groups, right? It's like... Yeah. Every one of them. You know, that's important. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are exceptions to the rules, but... No, I don't um, think so. I mean, that was, so I've also 
as someone who would like to believe that I can just absorb writing talent by osmosis by like reading books about it. Um, I've read a bunch of books and most of the people at like, I come back to Stephen King, I think who is one and I might be wrong about this, but says he sends it out to, you know, he's got the, the friend set up the same way you do, except it's in stages. It's like, all right, this is the person I send it to for story. This is the person I send it to for like, just to savage it and tell me everything that's wrong, yeah. point out some of the things that I know are wrong, some of the things that I don't know. Um, and with a writing group, you're essentially trying to do the same thing and jam it all in at the same time. So you meet once a month or however however often you can support. For us, mm-hmm. it's once a month just because we're all pretty busy. Yeah. And writing isn't necessarily the sole focus. But you're trying to jam in in one session all of those people in your life who provide the valuable feedback at different stages, try and knock it out all at once, mm-hmm. and at the same time give everybody an opportunity to have the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't necessarily need like-minded people, but you need people who are at least committed to providing uh, an opinion that you know is going to be unchecked or at yeah. least something that you can register as, hey, this person's usually pretty generous with their feedback but they pointed out a thing that I definitely need to explore further if they're not getting it because they usually get stuff. And yeah. you also very quickly realize and weed out the people that like are not actually interested in contributing, um, which happens all the time. Like you constantly find people who, who love the idea of it, but don't want to actually put in the work. And, and they I, don't, so they want to get their work edited, but they don't want to edit others or is there just yeah. like that? And like, they just, you know, they'll say for a month that like, Oh, I'll submit next month. And then two days before the group, they'll say, Oh, I didn't have enough time to actually write anything. Like can right. somebody else go? Um, I mean, that's a position nobody wants to be in because everybody's yeah. like giving up their time in order to do this effectively. And so is it like a rotation? How does that work? Is it somebody else goes? So or? our, our group is, uh, basically there's what, 12 of us, 10 of us kind of depends on the month. You know, it's changed so much because of those two rules. It's yeah. like, we, we don't let you stay if you won't submit. And we also don't let you stay if you won't critique other people's work regularly because that seems like a fair rule. Yeah, yeah. You need to establish the circle and it's a really uncomfortable thing to take a group of your friends and set down again, it's that creative process. Like, Hey, guess what? I spent 40 hours making this thing and I want you to tell me why it sucks and why you can't read it so that I can make it better. And that's a painful process for a lot of people and you put yourself out there because these are the things that you've been thinking about. These are the viewpoints that you're taking, the characters that you think are interesting and somebody's, you know, somebody close usually is just going to go, I don't, I don't, I don't get any of it. I don't like it. And then on the same <laughs> yeah. note, it's like, yeah. you know, it kind of sucks when you have somebody who spends 40 hours on a piece and then you know, you have the guy next to him, like submit something that they spent 10 minutes on. Um, right. So, I don't, yeah. I don't buy that theory though. But in, in, in any case, the structure of the uh, group that we do and everybody's different is uh, we take the, you know, the route of like the college creative writing class. Um, everybody submits something. Uh, we usually do three a month. Um, so with our group, it's like every three or four months you submit something. Uh, everybody reads it. Is it usually like a short story or what is it usually like? A, with our group? How long a thing? With, with our group in particular, we just want people to be creative because everybody that's in it like has always had something that they want to do. Yeah. So somebody you know loves writing satire. Uh, he had a blog all about it. Uh, we have like three or four people who write film. We have people who do short stories. We have people who write essays. Uh, so it's a little bit of everything. And okay. um, you kind of know exactly who is, is qualified to critique which. So, you know, if somebody submits a film uh, script or like a YouTube script or something, like we know who we're going to respect for their answers and everybody will have like valuable input, but some people will be, uh, you know, better at it than others. Yeah. Um, but you submit this thing, everybody will, will talk about it in the group and then you'll also get notes individually online. So if there's anything for whatever reason that somebody didn't want to say out loud, yeah. um, like they get that one on one time. 
Yeah, and there's no there's sense. no actually limit there's no actual limitation to what you can submit. Like you could submit 120 pages of something, or you could submit something that's like a few stanzas if you want. Most people yeah. would would you know give you fair warning if they're going to submit 120 pages of sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, everybody needs time to actually read it and provide yeah. valuable feedback. But yeah. uh, we did have somebody submit like a two-hour feature script. I don't know how many people actually got through it, but it was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of critiques that went into that one, but it was great. Like especially the fact that he did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's super important, and I mean, we, I'm happy to send you the details if you're actually interested in joining. But yeah, totally. No, I want to find. I want a. I want to find out more about it because I think it's just a really valuable thing. I. I I've been tossing around, so I'm like I identify as a blogger. You know, uh-huh. that's like me. <laughs> it's a funny way of saying it. It's like that, a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a, you know it's like a gender identity or something. I'm like a, <laughs> I'm not a, not a writer, not an author. I'm a blogger. I think it's, it's legit. We identify as writers, but we don't write. So right. you know, that's it's like the basis of the show, I guess. Well, I don't know. You know, it's I've thought about this a lot for me. So the blogger identity is. I'm not, I don't really care so much about being a published author. That's not like a life goal of mine. I've interviewed a lot of people who it's just really clear where that is just an absolute love. They just, they, they like, they get the books in the, in the, in the mail. They go Facebook live. They're like, everybody, oh my God, it's happening. I got it. It's a book with my name on it and the pages. And I, you know, that's cool. And, but I've never been a fan of just like the gatekeepers and all that kind of shit. And I also really, you know, I, guys like Mark Manson and, and Tim Urban, all these guys, like that is, I just like that. I don't know. I just, I like that. And the fact that you can actually make a living just writing cool shit online and having a following, yeah. I just find very, very cool. And I really want to take advantage of that. So that's, that's kind of how I look at things. And the reason I brought that up is that, um, oh yeah, writing group. So I've been, I've been collecting other bloggers, essentially. I've been collecting other people that I resonate with and I want to just in your basement somewhere <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> bloggers are easy to catch yeah. man they're, they're just like Pokemon or something they're very they'll comfortable do, they'll do anything yeah. for a slice <laughs> of pizza yeah. so I'm like um, yeah backlinks yeah come on down no. <laughs> um, so SEO joke you know, yeah. um, but you know I'm basically like uh, collecting these guys and saying hey like let's all help each other you know and I'm trying to f- set up a way I don't know if it was like a blogging mastermind that's kind of some lame but, it's like, but I like the idea of a writing group and especially because, you know, we maybe all publish once a week about a thousand words, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe some about every two weeks, two thousand words, whatever. But I think that's pretty reasonable and also like really not that much reading to help people. And I've gotten some really nice help from other other writers and so the collaborating process is nice. I just really like that. Yeah. So Well it's it's funny that you say that because uh this writing group um was born because we Kyle and I specifically felt that we weren't, you know, we didn't have a big enough output when it came to writing because we did consider ourselves writers. Yeah. Uh, and then that led to the podcast um, where we would basically, uh, the, the, the first thing that we ran into during this writing group, or at least the first thing that I ran into is that I had all these stories that I wanted to write about um, that had to do with things that I just didn't want anybody to know. Like I couldn't talk about it. Like, you know, maybe it was an ex-girlfriend or something. Um, and I just didn't want to tell these stories publicly. Um, so... Were they like salacious or was it like... I mean, some of them, some of them were just like, I did bad things and I felt bad about them and like writing was like my form of like retribution or therapy or whatever. Uh Um, You know, it was like a confessional for me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But I didn't want to necessarily put that out there into the world for, you know, these same girls to read Um, or, you know, whatever. Uh, Because it wasn't just like with girls that I dated. It was also just like, you know, people I'd wronged in the past and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And... Pen, Pen name? Well, maybe. Consider doing a pen name? That'd be... 
Yeah, I mean that's it's it's and and I have a couple of these essays like about to be published actually, so yeah. it's a little bit terrifying um, because I don't really know what the reaction is going to be, and, and for all I know, you know, nobody will give a shit. I want to make a confession that um, when I saw your name, I thought that's really cool, and I thought is jumbro.com available because jumbro would be such a cool like <laughs> I don't know something it's, it is not but somebody's selling it for like like 1300 bucks oh you actually looked it up but jumbro <laughs> uh, no I was gonna say there, there's somebody his like, name may or may not be I just Dave get really Buda. excited about like domain names and shit I just think like Jeff Umbro you know jumbro like how cool is a jumbro? It's I think like, yeah. I, I think mostly the silence that you're hearing right now is the fact that Jeff has never considered. <laughs> well, no, that no, no, no. I have. Have you considered I, jumbro? I have often, and and it's funny that you bring this up because when I was like in seventh grade, his name is like, Jeff Umbro for people who don't know. Yeah, that's mm. why jumbro came out. Well, but and, and I have a cousin named Jonah Umbro, so he gets jumbro as well. Okay, but uh, I also have thought about that and it's funny because in sixth and seventh grade like you know back in like the aim screen names and everything like i got jumbro on everything like myspace youtube whatever um and then i forgot all of my passwords and this was like before i understood how like password recovery worked yeah so those all exist and i own them i just have no idea to access any of them well Um, like on aol yeah like way back in the day useful no (laughs) myspace you have myspace.com slash jumbo yeah (laughs) Yeah, just just so if you're looking for jeff find him on aim yeah, under yeah. Jumbro. Just, yeah, go for it. Live journal. Facebook.com slash Jumbro. I have Jeff Umbro on there. Okay. Um, and that's the thing is that like it is such a cool name that other people jumped on it. Yeah. So I have I have Jeff Jeff Umbro is like my Gmail and stuff. Um, Look up. Go to Jumbro.com and it'll take you to this company who just buys up like kind of cool domain sounding domain names okay. and then they pitch them to like startups being like you know jumbro could be a cool like, umbrella a company startup. or something like that you know it's kind of interesting that really exists yeah People oh yeah that? yeah you can look it up jumbro.com that's how i found it um do this right now so I'm yeah so anyways that's a total aside um well i, I will say that um, that could be like a pen name or something but jumbro would be too obvious as a pen name yeah i would but also it's like <laughs> who is this know, I, I do i do speaking of seo like clark kent and superman you're like he looks really familiar <laughs> God damn it. All right, whatever. I guess it's a different guy. You know, he's talking about Aaron, and my name's Aaron. This is really strange. Yeah. yeah well, I, I did. Right. So I changed it's all the names and everything. You changed the names. Yeah, yeah, you changed the names for sure. But no, it's like uh, it, it funny SEO joke is that um, I have the best name for SEO in the world because nobody uh, is named Jeff Umbro. And I also really? get, yeah, there, I mean, then there's the Umbro Soccer Company. it's easy company. to spell. Yeah. When you Google so. Jumbro, your Reddit user handle comes up, by the way, just so you're... Oh, I should probably clean that up. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> if anybody wants to find out what weird stuff Jeff is into, it's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in any case, so it's, uh, you know, we, we launched this writing group and podcast because we kept on being in this, well, I personally kept on being in this position where I was like in these inopportune moments where I like didn't really want to put myself out there. And I figured that there are writers that are way more accomplished than Kyle and I who must have like way cooler stories that they couldn't tell or that they didn't want to. And maybe it's political or religious or romantic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we were, we were kind of right. Um, because we have some like really amazing stories that have popped up on our feed. Um, everybody should check it out, writers who don't write. Plug, 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 yeah, plug, plug. I, I, don't, I don't actually remember like why we went on this tangent. Um, uh, you were talking about the writing group and how where you started was because the writing group is a way to generate product. Yeah. And is it maybe because you wanted to, you wanted to write something and, and submit something, but you didn't want to have to do it publicly, but you wanted to like, well, get this stuff out and then share it with people, but not publicly? Is that? Yeah, well, and I guess that's like that was a big bonus of this, and I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, putting this in front of like these 12 people or whatever was like a really cool sample size about how people would react 
to this story, you know, nobody really cared. Like everybody thought it was like a great piece of writing. Um, they gave me like great tips uh, as to how to make it better. They didn't judge um, you. Nobody judged me. Um, <laughs> like half the people didn't even know that it was a real thing that happened. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like uh, I, Can you I give a small example of something that you may that was like maybe edgy that you maybe found was like people weren't so pissed about dish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, so I, I have this one story <laughs> that I'm working on right now um, about a girl that I dated uh, who had this like Spotify playlist that she would constantly update. And, um, you know, her and I shared a lot of music, so I kept on sending her songs, and she'd add them to the playlist. And, oh, what a bitch. Uh, oh, wait, right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, no, but she, she kept on... Uh, her thing was that she would change the name of this playlist. Uh-huh. So it would be, like, you know, Summer Jams or, like, you know, Winter Driving or whatever. Um, the, those are silly names and yeah. completely arbitrary. But she would change them, and I would pay attention. I could tell, like, what mood she was in based on, like, what she, she wrote. Because sometimes it was, like, Bad Day or whatever. Um, very the name of the stuff. playlist? Yeah. And but the songs would be the same. The songs would be the same. She would just change the name of the playlist. And I... Uh, that's that's, that's kind of deep when you think about it, right? Like, yeah. this is your playlist... The songs don't change, but like you change the title of it. So she's controlling your conditioning for it. It's crazy. Well, but I would also, you know, like go in there and like I would be listening to this playlist all the time. And I'm not really sure she she knew that I was doing that. Um, (laughs) So then when we broke up, like all of these songs that I'd loved over the last year were still on this playlist and I'm still checking them out. And this is. The name of the playlist was like Jeff Sucks. Well, the name of the playlist turned into like. Fuck one guy in particular. I won't yeah. say his name here, but you know who you are. Well, no, it turned into. It's a like, long playlist name, but yeah, yeah. It, it turned into a lot of different things that like I didn't want to see, is basically what it was. And like okay. I was still listening to like all those songs, and eventually I just like got rid of it. Like Hot um, New Latin Guy from Last Night? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And uh, I, I mean, ultimately, like this is. I, I structure the story a lot better. So much better now. But ultimately, like that's what it's about. It's like, you know my relationship with this girl through this playlist and like how that changed. Um, and it, like, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like she would read that and probably be like, wow, it's creepy that you were listening to those, pl- that playlist so much and like paying so much attention to it. Um, yeah. But There's a window into her soul, right? It's what music is for. Is it a commentary on social media? Cause that's what it sounds like. It's a starting point for it, That's a, that's a, like a, a piece good, of it. Be good. Like Amer- this American life, like short episode yeah. or something. Right. Well, and so like that's a guy who has this romance, but it's like, then he's like really, Affected by her playlist. I have an aside about the uh, playlist names. Uh, lately, <laughs> a thing I've been doing is uh, taking cheesy love songs and listening to them through the context that they're about Jesus. Oh, <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, yeah. Brian Adams, um, everything I do, I do it for you. Oh, God. Is, I mean, it actually absolutely ruins the song, to be honest, especially if you're not into Jesus. I suppose if you're into Jesus, it makes well, it better. But you also just get like the best Christian rock collection of all time. <laughs> I feel like would. that's fun to do with Taylor Swift. Like if you just take all of Taylor Swift's song and make them about Jesus. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of, when I took the Brian Adams song, it's scary because I thought, I don't, I mean, I don't know Brian Adams that well. <laughs> It could what if it is Jesus? Like, it's like I die for you. It's like it's like oh shit, that just like, got real. That Joe, sounds he's like serious. Shit. You know, and it's so I'm just saying, uh, it, higher love. Uh, Steve Winwood was the other one. The other <laughs> Steve day, Winwood, like, bring me a higher love. And like, oh my god, you have a nice voice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. this is pretty good, man. The, the, the Steve so we got acoustics in here. You know, nice. yeah. Steve oh, yeah. Winwood, Pandora is like my favorite thing in the world to listen to. <laughs> I feel like you could do that with Michael McDonald, but he's already singing. Oh, like, God. he's definitely singing about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He's not singing about 
about sex, that's for sure. Yeah, walking in Memphis, that's all about God. That's Mark Cohen, I think, isn't it? Walking in Memphis? Did he do, did oh, he do Michael McDonald did a walking in Memphis. Oh, God damn. Is walking in Memphis about God, though? Walking in Memphis. Walking in Memphis. I do a lot of asides. I'm like, that's just what's going to happen. That is, it just so makes complete thing. sense. Just coming, we're just the tangents. It's getting thrown around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was an aside on the, the Spotify playlist idea, which I think I think that would be a cool short story if you haven't already written it. Yeah, yeah. it's like you're living but with you a ghost. You could take that in like based on true facts. Yeah. And you yeah. could like... You could like extrapolate it, and then like maybe she gets like kidnapped or something, and then like puts oh, like you know, <laughs> listening to music in a box on Forty Second Street or something, and you're like, I know where she is, guys, and like that's the only way you can communicate with her is through like the playlist, Spotify playlist. Well, I mean, there's there's this, like a, this this is definitely going to become a movie. Now that you say it like yeah, that, right? absolutely, I think yeah. so. That that actually is genius, right? It's like you get the notifications, like I'm uh, on the west side of New York or whatever, but. I, I don't know. I, uh, there, I mean, there's a lot more layers to it, and I did a bad job explaining it. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's like, that would be a cool story, but also, like, you know, I don't necessarily want a lot of people to see that. And not just the girl that I dated, but, like, future girls, that kind of thing. Um, and that's the idea of, of the show, is, like, everybody has these stories that they, like, really struggle to tell. Yeah. Well, this is also, this is the struggle with writing in general, personally, and I feel like that's why, like, for me, the writing group is about productivity, being forced to produce something regularly, because otherwise I'll just sit it out. Yeah. Because it's really hard to put yourself out there. Totally. And to, like, give the rest of the world, even if it's only 12 people, insight into how you're feeling, what you're thinking, um, what occupies your time when you're alone. Uh, And this is... This is one of the main things that's interesting to me about the podcast is getting some of our favorite authors to talk about things that even they're afraid to put down. Like um, for you in particular, who is a blogger who gets paid, I would imagine, to write and who produces so regularly... Um, I, I wonder. Would imagine I get paid too. Huh? <laughs> I would imagine I get paid to write too. Just well, I, I don't know enough about your <laughs> no, life no, to say kidding. for sure. I do some copywriting, um, but yeah, 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 yeah. If you think about it, yeah, then it I happens. do imagine that yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's a very I vivid. believe it. Yeah, um, but no. So, like for someone like yourself, that I think the podcast is interesting to talk to you about things that even you struggle to write about. Like when you sit down, you're trying to post on Wednesday. When you sit down on like Friday, and you're like. There's this thing I've been kicking around, but I don't know if I'm ready to write about it yet. For me, it's about asking what are the triggers to get you from A to B? Because that's the biggest problem that I I personally have is like, I know I want to write about this thing and I can't take the pieces of it and look at it from an objective standpoint and try to figure out how to tell it in a story that is relevant and coherent and that somebody's actually going to want to sit down and read. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I'm trying to get out of the podcast by talking to people that we respect and even from different walks of the creative process like we talk to comedians Um, I hope to expand it to talk to like people who write video games and people who write movies and people who write TV if they ever respond to Jeff's emails yeah so get in touch Uh, (laughs) we've gotten several no's from people at Pixar Uh, so that would be fascinating to people who write video games though because you have to write a plot and a script right well also in trying to control for like the different variables pretty much a script yeah yeah and it's like a choose your own adventure story yeah. It's the best version of a choose your own adventure story. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big video game player, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't play video games at all, but I do respect it the hell out of it as an art form because I think it's just like blowing up and you know, some of the most talented storytellers in the world are, are creating them. That makes sense. I never thought about that. That's really cool. Well, it's such a different version of storytelling too. And by the way, you're about to hear the door uh, because my lovely girlfriend is coming back. Um, but Perfect. that's that's one of the things that's fascinating to me about video games is that you have to leave the door open for people to make their own decisions she's in so, your story. She's so polite. <laughs> like I told you know, 
Oh yeah, it's she's so nice. she's like, wonderful. I, totally appreciate uh, that. I don't deserve her. Yeah. Someday she'll so figure it out. He doesn't deserve her at all. Yeah. yeah. Put her ring on yeah. it first, but yeah. Okay. By then it'll be too late for her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's like one of the things that's fascinating about video games is that you have, if you're a writer, you're you're charged with building this world that people can exist within and it's you know basically build their own story using the components that you've come up with um uncharted recently is one of the big ones that i've loved and like been a part of and also uh the last of us which is like the best video game i've ever played there are you've been a part of the video game and you 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 animate for it and do stuff like that or oh absolutely not i just feel like i'm a part of it because i played it okay Uh, so i'm totally claiming credit where it's (laughs) definitely not due okay got it but that's what video games do. They make you feel like you're a part of the creation of the story because you do make choices that affect how things turn out. Yeah. Yeah. Hence, so it's, hence World of Warcraft and Second Life. and um, <laughs> uh, Right. There are so many different examples yeah. and different genres and different classifications. I, mean, I, was, I was kind of making fun of Kyle on that, but, but it's you know true. What, like they, it is world building. I felt that. He was like, he was like, <laughs> past the point in my life where I care like whether or not people make fun of me for video games they're cool Spe- now specifically me what, what point is that because I feel like that's a good turning point um, where you just stop caring like, I, I haven't fully like I used to play a decent amount of video games in like high school and then I kind of tailed off and I didn't really I didn't like fully commit to it as an adult mm-hmm. but I feel like if I did I would have had to reach this point where I'm like Fuck it, I'm not. I'm not taking this bullshit anymore. I like video games. Yeah. I'm not, I'm no fucks given. It. No fucks given. Well, honestly, the, was, there the, like a, was there like an origin story for you around that? There is. There, okay. there is actually, and it came in the form of glasses because I've had glasses since I was like five years old, uh-huh. and there was a distinct turning point in popular culture where glasses went from being like the super nerd thing to being cool. Yeah. Like now people wear glasses without lenses in them because they like the way their faces look with glasses on. Yeah. And as someone who got made fun of incessantly throughout grade school, throughout middle school, to see the same people who used to make fun of me turn around and put lenses, uh, turn around and put lensless frames on. Yeah. It was like a turning point. It's like, okay, so these people are just you take throwing stones. I definitely do not take credit <laughs> for it. I still look like an asshole. You want to look like me. Yeah. I know, it's all good. <laughs> but it, it, was like, it was like a turning point mentally. It's like how fickle popular, car- popular culture and norms are in terms of the things that people enjoy versus the things that people will deal with. And yeah. video games was stigmatized for a really long time. Even still, people write a story, like there was just a story recently about how Call of Duty uh, affects your empathy. It makes you more cruel if you play that game all the way through because you're in a situation of war. Right. Uh, and there's you know the monthly story of how violent video games are cre- uh, creating cultural violence. Sure. Um, but the turning point for me personally, it's like you can allow the opinion of others to control your lives as long as you want. But at a certain point... You have to decide to take agency. Yeah. To enjoy things that you actually enjoy, regardless of the consequences, especially when they're harmless. Like it's not like I'm sitting down every night and chugging down a six pack, shooting up some heroin, and doing things that are destructive to my health. You know, if I maintain a healthy lifestyle, a couple of hours of video games a night is not going to do anything negative. And in some ways it's actually a positive Yeah, uh, because you get to experience some of the best storytelling on the planet. Yeah. You're an active participant in a storyline that you help build. You're still so defensive about this. Nobody, nobody so is making long, fun man. of you for playing video games. Right, no, but, no, this but is, I asked him about that. Yeah. I asked him about the origin. So this is a really long tangent, but you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Jeff, you don't feel the same way about video games. It seems. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't You're played. still maintaining the high school jock position. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> well, no, I, I enjoy video games like Mario Kart or something, but like I play them, you know, once in a million years for fun. Yeah. You know, it's not but socially yeah. with friends, right? Yeah. 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 
I mean, I have nothing against video games. I'm not going to make fun of you for playing them. You, but that's the have point. Have you guys ever played video games together? In college. <laughs> yeah. We played Smash you guys Brothers. are in college together? Oh, yeah. Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's a great one in college. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Jeff is not good at Smash Brothers. I will destroy you any day. <laughs> <laughs> Bring that's, it on, yeah. <laughs> Mario Kart is classic. I mean, the Wii, yeah. I really feel the Wii brought people together. You know, Wii still bowling. does. Wii bowling, you yeah. know. Uh, for us, it was, for us in college in particular, it was the Nintendo 64 uh, uh, with the four controllers where you could play each yeah, other. Goldeneye. Yeah, Goldeneye in Gold particular. Nine was, you can make it a drinking game. Yeah, uh, totally. All of a sudden, it was cool to play. How would you make Goldeneye when you got shot? You, you died. You had to take. A, you had to drink something or what? I mean, the, the basis was just basically drink every time you die. I think you know. So you you can make the game more difficult by just playing with uh, slappers. Yeah. So no guns. Yeah. Uh, golden guns. Sure. But I think the moral of the story was just drink every time you die, and if you're not drunk by the end of it, you've definitely lost. Well, yeah. I, I actually have a question for you, Dave. Um, yeah. You're trying to bring us back on topic. A little bit. I think I was thinking, I'm, I'm yeah, happy in this good. film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy in this film. <laughs> Who's not happy with Golden I'm Eye? escaping I mean, again, damn it. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, yes, you said that you um, want to do like a collective of bloggers um, yeah. or create a collective of bloggers. Have you done that? Like, do you uh, kind of contacted a few people? Um, are they receptive Jam- to it? Jamie Varon and a guy named Brian Reeves, who are cool people that I kind of know. And yeah, I mean, I haven't figured out. This is actually what excited me about the writing group is that it gave me like, oh, like that's what we could do together. Because I was just thinking we just hop on the phone every week and talk and share. You know, especially with blogging, there's also like, you know, the marketing and business end of it. Mm-hmm. Those ideas are important. You know, like oh, how you know you're building an email list. Oh, what's your landing page like? Uh, drip campaigns. Like, there's kind of like stuff that if you share it among friends, is just friends, is just nice. Um, but I would much rather. I would also like us to focus on the art of what we do and help each other with that too. So I, so that's why I got excited because I do want to create like a like five or six bloggers. Do you feel like at some point though there will be people that would be. Um you know, not really willing to do that though because they want to like protect their own IP and stuff. Protect their own like like intellectual property. Um, no, no. I mean, these people they, they trust. Like yeah. they, I wouldn't. I mean, it'd be for me to like steal one of their articles and post it on my way to be crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't. I mean, you remember? Like, do you remember what what Reza said about the that day they did? This, Reza is a he does his comic online called Poorly Drawn Lines. Um, and he said that one day there was a big joke about, uh, he said oftentimes people will steal his comics and post them as their own. So yeah. there was a big joke on, on, uh, April Fool's day one year where he had like 10 people post one of his comics, like 10 very like well-known comic book artists. Yeah. And the joke was that like, uh, he pretended to be really angry that they stole his work. Yeah. Um, so you should do that. They took a really simple joke and each artist did it in their own style using the same exact joke. And then on Twitter, they blew each other up being like, Hey man, that's a really cool comic you posted that I posted 20 minutes before you. It's really interesting how you came up with the same exact idea and joke structure that I did. Oh, and was that that was good PR? Yeah, it was great PR. Well, it, I think a couple of people actually picked it up as a story, so it worked. Yeah. Uh-huh. And nobody like they 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 stayed tight-lipped for at least a couple of hours. But that's that's comic book artists, so like yeah. They're they're they just want to have fun. If you want to run that same play though yeah. with the block of be cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody would care. Like, <laughs> what do you took my personal story? <laughs> That's kind of weird blogging wise, you know. <laughs> oh, you're talking about relationships too? Oh man. I don't know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just ways to register support you. I mean, it's like it's like what you're saying, Kyle. I think like we all need we all need um, a group that 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 
pushes us to do. This is like art and writing for a lot of us is not. It's never essential. Whenever we're gonna like, we we're gonna survive without art. We're gonna mm. survive without getting the stories that we want to tell out. So we need stuff like you know NaNoWriMo and this kind of stuff. You know, that's what it's all there for. Well, also one of the benefits of the writing group uh, that I didn't really expect was now when I write. I have the benefit of hearing the people that we're in the writing group with in the back of my mind while I'm writing. So it's like, oh, oh if cool. I write it this way, uh, this is going to confuse the shit out of this person. And like, while I disagree fundamentally with the premise of their criticism, I understand yeah. now that that's... Uh, if, if no one's understanding what I'm saying because of that particular criticism, then it would be... Uh, a very arrogant mistake to make to assume that I can just keep doing the same thing. That's why I was getting at earlier with Jeff, uh, you know, when, if you stand on the, the ground that you are the subject matter expert for everything that you do and you know better than anyone else, you miss out on the opportunity to make your stuff better and more accessible to more people. Yeah. And now with the writing mm -hmm. group, you know, you can hear them in the back of your mind being like, hey, if you write it this way, it's going to seem like you mean something that you're not trying to say with this thing. So yeah. it, I, I think long term, it actually does start to affect your process in a positive way. Yeah. Nice. No, that's great. I, I definitely hope that's the case. Yeah. 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 And I mean, on the same note, Jeff. like, no, I mean, I, I, I said, I said the same <laughs> thing before. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And, you know, on the same note, like it is officially accomplished exactly what we wanted it to do. Like we are writing again. Yeah. Like it has uh, spurred our creativity. Yeah. For the most part, for the most we're part, kind of writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. I still wouldn't Writers be comfortable saying writing. Yeah. That's like it's a new podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We, actually, the, might the be podcast better than the tagline we do us. have. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you ever struggle to write? I do. I do. I recently decided that I wanted to write a book. So I was in a marriage for four years and broke that up about five months ago. And I was like, oh man, this was such a rich, like I learned so, so much in this four years. I really want to write about it. Um, my, my partner and I were also in a open relationship. And so there was also just the crazy stories. Like it was just one of those things that it would be a good book. And I like writing. I like, I like having, I like sharing wisdom nuggets, but I like doing it from the lens of personal experience. So I like telling the stories. And so this was going to be like just kind of straight memoir. It was going to be like, you know, they, this, is what I, this is what happened and just telling the stories in as much detail as possible. And then telling, sharing about what I learned, but through the stories. And um, I started it. I, was, I had a, I had a kind of hair up my ass like a couple months ago. And I was like, all right, I'm going to work like a thousand words a day on this thing and finish it in like three or four months. Um, but it's tough. I, I found that for me, I can only like, I can only give one thing my top priority. And that's, this is tough because my blog and writing every week is my top priority. It's been my top creative priority for like two years now. And that's been great. And then built a nice little following. And that's my the thing I love the most. Um, but it was hard to do this book as like a second priority. And I'm also, I was also interested in um, building out more income that was uh, location independent for myself because I was kind of traveling a little bit. And so I had some other things that were kind of more important and, and I had to be honest with myself. And I was like, as much as I want to write this book, I just, I can't really devote a thousand words a day to something that um, it's not going to work if it's not my top priority. And so, um, so I stopped. So it was primarily like a time consideration that, yeah, that was I, the just, main barrier. I mean, I and I had actually have a decent amount of time. It's not like like in the last month, I I just I just went home to Boston and actually spent time with my folks. And my my calendar is really really open, which is nice. <laughs> no, normally it's like not. Normally I'm just like and I'm seeing people and doing all this kind of stuff. When I'm back in San Diego, I'm really busy. 
And what's nice about now is that I'm not. I'm just pretty open, you know. So I could actually legitimately write a thousand words a day and get a lot of other stuff done. But I don't know. That's just what happens sometimes. It's not. It's not happening. And uh, you know, I'm gonna wait and and see. I think that there's just a couple other things that are more important. And, and I want to like I'm creating some online courses for the blog and. You know, and, and I think getting more income stream going on would actually just make me feel like um, like I've been putting that off too. And it's like, uh, like I, I want to get a couple of those things in place. So I don't, because this book's not going to make money if it ever does until later. And so it's just one of those things. I'm like, I can't do it right now. Yeah. I think this is one of the great struggles though. Because like if you... If you've looked at the, the the books on writing as sort of like a manual for how to get stuff done, even when you're blocked or when you don't feel like doing it, they all say relatively close to the same thing, which is like, you have to sit down for an hour a day, at least an hour a day, or some arbitrary measure of time where you just sit and you write. And that's all that you do. And that's all that you think about. And then yeah. when you're done, you're done. You get up, you go about the rest of your day. Yeah. Um, is there anything like that in your life for you when it comes to writing, even if it's blog oriented? Like, do, do you mandate a specific amount of time per day to write about things that you care about? I like, I mean, I like the hour a day thing. It's, I've done that at times. I find that what just actually works for me is just a, just a deadline. Yeah. And at this point I've done it literally, I've posted every week. I, I took an intentional sabbatical on February of 2016 and that I did, it, I just didn't write that month. I didn't publish that month, but every other month. Since December of 2014, I've published every week on wow. the spot, at least about 500 words, somewhere around a thousand usually, and it's always something that I'm proud of. It may not be like the absolute best thing ever, but it's like a, it's a piece that I'm proud of. Put it on Facebook, I you know all that stuff, and I and I actually create audios for it too. That's one of the podcasts. Is I just read the article, um, and. I've I've done that like and I and I say that every time I say that I'm super proud of myself. By the way, I know that it's like hard, but but yeah, like I published it every week, and you know this Saturday, like I have some ideas, and so as Wednesday comes closer, I maybe start flushing some stuff out. Sometimes I just get kind of a you know, oh my god, I want to write, and so sometimes it comes out, sometimes it's more work, but it's just like I have to get it done. I have to publish on Wednesday, like no matter what, or I will die, and so I do it. Do it's it? just the deadline that that pushes me, not necessarily doing it an hour a day, although. I know that doing it an hour a day would really be better. Mm -hmm. Like it would just, that would be a nice way to actually get myself going. That's the same with like, you know, exercising or meditating or doing yoga. Like everybody always wants to do it and then it's tough to actually go yeah, ahead but you and can't do it. Cram. <laughs> yeah. You can't like cram yoga. Four hours of yoga at the end of the week and be like, cool, I just did yeah, it for I a did week. It. I'm in such good shape. You know? Well, if you, you <laughs> but if you could, that would what be if, hilarious. What if, what if it did work that way? It'd be so, so nice. So do you have like a working list of topics that you write about? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a little Evernote with like a bunch of topics. And then I have like an, a folder called articles in progress. Uh, I can show you here. It's uh, you know, it's as the name says, articles in progress. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I, I just write it on little like a uh, text edit thing, and then uh, and then put it in WordPress when it gets closer, and um, yeah, that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just back to the thing that I'm commandeering this interview. By the way, we're we're gonna switch to writers who don't write mode. No, I'm just interested. Uh, so you know that the book is a thing that you want to do. Yeah. Um, is there an anxiety that prevents you from, like, are you, are you afraid to ta tackle the topic or it's just like, this is a thing that I know I need more time to process effectively? Uh, no, I one of your previous episodes. don't process it too much more because I feel like the longer I wait, the more time is away from it. Um, there are some things in it that I probably should be worried about because I know that 
family will probably not be excited about hearing some <laughs> things, but I, I've decided that that is not going to be a consideration in my lifetime. Um, I'm just going to say what I need to say and be public, and that's fine. I'm kind of just a very public person anyways. So I'm assuming my mom, I, I was considering maybe like putting out like two editions of it <laughs> for like one night for like my Here, parents, mom, take this, you know, don't, don't then, listen to anything. Anyone oh else my says. God, there's no sex in here. This is great. <laughs> and, but no, that's, I mean, it's, 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 I want to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth really. And it, that's, I'm going to change the names, you know, of some people and that's fine. But like, I really, I absolutely, and, and I'm also a very sex positive person. So like, I don't think like, I, I just want to talk about it as it happened because I don't think that that it didn't, I don't think that there was anything ultimately that different between talking about sexual intercourse and talking about uh, writing an article and talking about moving to Bali. I mean, it's all, it's just like, it all is life. And so I do want to just put it in as that. So. Interesting. I mean, that's, it, it's, we run into two different kinds of people on our show is, you know, the people who are cool with just like saying fuck it and putting that stuff out there. Yeah. And then the people who are like really cognizant of that fact um, and I actually think that the people who are able to say fuck it are, um, I mean, they're obviously more open in their writing, but, uh, like they're also typically like a little bit more, um, and I don't want this to be a blanket statement, but they're also typically a little bit more creative, I think, um, in the way that they can tell those stories because they're not so much worried about like actually getting it out. They're worried about like how they can get it out. See, I go the opposite direction with that because I feel like part of the part of the anxiety that we talk to people about is the conflict of trying to write what you want to write and not be misinterpreted when you approach a topic that you're not totally comfortable with um, and that's one of the things that we see a lot is like in particular when you find yourself struggling with a topic um, and you know for some people it is sex uh, they have to pull themselves out of their own mindset and write from a different perspective one of, one of the people we interviewed uh, talked about how he had trouble writing sex scenes. And so when mm -hmm. he flipped it and he writes it from the other perspective, it shows him a different side of what he's only tried to deal with from his own perspective. And so they tend mm -hmm. to get creative when they approach these roadblocks that they know are coming, that they see in, their, in the offing when they're writing these things. So I feel like it almost, like even if you know the anxiety is there, acknowledging it and trying to approach it from a totally honest and open standpoint even if it's from a different perspective than your own, lends itself to more interesting creative outputs than if you, you know, choose to ignore it or try and change all the names and you try and, you know, hedge as much as you can against people actually understanding what you're talking about, even if they're from your own stories. Yeah. Does that make sense? Did any of that work? I guess I'm lucky enough also to just have parents that like, my parents will get upset, but like they won't disown me. <laughs> and I don't, there's not anybody out there that would like harm themselves. You know I mean? It's like, I, cause I, I, you know, it's easy for me to say, Hey man, everybody's going to judge you. Just go for it. You know? But like, I also have a pretty somewhat supportive family in that way. Like, you know, it's again, my mom will get upset and we'll have to have a hard conversation about it. But, you know, but it's like, I told her that my I mean, ex-wife and I were polyamorous and all that stuff and she didn't like it. And, but, you know, we talked about it and there's just different stuff that like, Hey, that's the way it goes sometimes. And, you know, but, in, in but if she was like, you know, uh, like I will, you know, like cut you off from the family and never invite you home again, I'd have to have to like really consider that. I'm like, mm. yeah, you know, so that happens. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that, that is just like the generational growing pains as well. You know, we had our our parents probably got like disowned at, at times because they were listening to like rock and roll or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, not our parents, I'm sure, but like some people. Oh, parents. maybe. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, it's, no, it's about yeah. the right era. Yeah. So. Um, well, divorce was a big no-no too, and that I'm sure has affected the majority of baby boomers at one point or another. Yeah. Yeah, I think like two thirds of, of baby boomers have been divorced but so there's no subject for you personally when you're thinking about writing some of your experiences that you get up to like say you sit down and you're about to write about an experience there's nothing that gives you pause that stops you typing no i mean i'm thinking this one article i wrote like six months ago i was in italy and i was just it was called it's called this is me this is enough and it was my mom she she cannot drop it like I just talked I was just home I was living at home for like a month and she was just the other day she was like she was like upset about said, what are you upset about mom and she's like I just don't understand why you would have written that thing and we were like this is we've already gone over this like four times like this is the article from like May and and it was it was just like you know, basically just like it was just really vulnerable like really like you know like I woke up today and like my my back pain is worse than ever and I realized shit I don't take care of my body and I'm like 33 years old or whatever and oh my god and Paul and I just had this conversation and we almost broke up and I realized I don't want to have kids and that's a problem and and I just but it, but it was like this the mantra was this is me and this is enough mm-hmm. so every, everything I said but, I, but it was like there's actually you know I had this moment I was in the shower I think this hotel and I had this moment <laughs> um, slap the mic right. <laughs> you're getting excited but thank you uh, I had this moment where I was like fuck man like you know I'm having I'm having all this shit happen to me and it's enough like it's like this is me and that's enough like it was just really cool and so I wanted to communicate that but I wanted to go to the depths to, to express how I'm feeling and you know, again, I just shared all this stuff, you know, and this is me, this is enough. And my parents read it. They got all upset because they why did you tell me this first? Oh, my God. They took it as like a fact. At that point, I'd written it. And I was already over it, you know. Yeah. And, and I put it on Facebook. All my friends loved it. You know, it was like, they're like, oh, my God. It's just like, thank you. You know, it's like, great. Blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, but that mom just cannot let go of that one. She yeah. she's really upset. She's like, I, but, you know, and I'm like, look at that. That was like a feeling I had six months ago. Like, that is not true for me anymore. And so what? Like, we... I was like, you have bad days? Like, yeah, I have bad days. That's what I, it was, a bad day. And then actually when I wrote it, I was having a good day because it started turning for the better. But yeah. And it's, and I mean, you've written a few things that are kind of uh, like in that vein. Like you, you just put out an article recently about, um, you realized your own homophobia. Yeah. So I'm afraid of being gay, which is, you know, edgy for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to like, I've been wanting to talk about homophobia. I've been wanting to talk about basically how um, we're, as men, we're obviously very conditioned to to feel. I feel like that's the, the stand is what's going on because you got this I don't know, shorter legs, whatever. Um, but yeah, like as men, we're really you know we're we're conditioned to just like posture ourselves as straight, you know, and how that affects our self expression, how that affects our the the closeness we can feel with other men, you know. Like I used an example of like two homophobic men hugging, you know, how it's just like the guys and they're like they're like like back padding and like hey good to see you bro like or like yeah we i don't normally do this hugging thing you know it's just like all these like like things we use because we're we're afraid of being seen as gay or whatever that means and and i realized this myself and this is just something i've been essentially kind of trying to purge from my system in the last couple years and you know and so i wanted to just kind of call it out and and again i I mean i'm not the kind of guy who likes writing vulnerable stuff because i feel like 
you know, I want to, I want people to see my heart or something. Like, I just know that that gets the message across. You yeah. know, like I want to talk about homophobia, and I don't want, and like I've had enough. I mean, this is the biggest feedback I get from my friends, and I'm incorporated, but it is like, hey, like, what about you? You know, guru teacher guy, why don't you like, you know, put yourself out there? Like, you you struggle with that too, right? You're not better than it. Yeah, you're right. So I'm like, all right. So now my my process is basically I start an article mostly by just throwing myself under the bus, making myself look like an idiot, and then sharing how I learned this thing or how I went from not being an idiot to maybe being someone of a like operate in society. And then and then I kind of maybe at the end I'll get a little preachy about like you can do this or something. Calls to action. But you know, yeah, like a call to action or something. But like I use I start you know. That was an article I posted like a month ago that was, was very, very popular. It's probably in the hundred thousands of views and on different sites now. And it was, um, I started it by saying six years ago, a woman accused me of rape. And then I talked about like, you know, basically a sexual experience I had six years ago. And then at the end of it, she was like, you raped me. And I was like, whoa. And I sat there and talked to her for the next six hours. And, you know, it wasn't like, she wasn't like on the phone with the cops, but it was like, it was a feeling like, wow, because we had sex and it was basically just, we just didn't say anything. I just was like, I would make a move. She wouldn't say anything. There was just no words. And at the end of it, she was like, she felt raped. I was like, wow. And so I got to kind of like understand that like, you know, if you don't get verbal, yes, if you don't get enthusiastic consent, like there is this whole gray area that I've been operating in where it's like people are okay with it, you know, but that in some way feels like being raped. And then, so I went in and then I got in, to like a woman's experience and then I talked a lot about you know what's different now and enthusiastic consent and then you know blah 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 and like and so you know and then tonight I'm hosting a sex party where I talk a lot about this stuff and that's kind of how that works you know so it's like I've come far you know and not in hosting like a um, a sex party where it's very conscious and very like the you know it's a it's a party where like you come and like people are like really, really honored and respected for their voice and all this kind of good shit that like should be in society, but we don't anyways. So, but I started it by making myself look like an asshole because like, I don't want to come across as a preacher. And I think that's something that my friends have told me over and over again. And I finally started listening to because I tend to want to just be like, uh, Hey, I just came down from the mountain. You guys check it out. I got this cool shit. Here's a stone tablet. You know. that says exactly what I've thought all along. Yeah. Do you ever so. think about like the resonance of something like that though? Like 30 years from now, you know, your kids are going to be reading that article and being like, dad, what happened? I think about that all the time, actually, in a weird way. Like, I think about it as like this podcast, like literally our words right now could be listened to like 2000 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, we're recording you know, them for posterity forever. Right? Like, it's crazy, right? <laughs> like, we don't sound like keep paying Libsyn every year for 2000 years, which I'm sure will happen. But, they, <laughs> but you know. I think even if you stop paying Libsyn, it still lives somewhere. Like, it's still <laughs> well, it there. Must, right. I, yeah. And I think we are going to develop that as a society. We're going to develop like you know, these like grand archives of internet or something, you know, and, and they already have that. They already have like the government, the, already the government already yeah. like decides that like, you know, for example, like the, every tweet from the president is archived, you yeah. know, and it's like, so there's stuff that will be archived. And I think that, you know, when you, so I, I love that stuff and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not really planning on having, having kids, but like, you know, maybe like nephews and nieces and shit, you know, people, yeah. but uh, like, yeah, family know, like, members and friends. I yeah. can't wait till like my blog's like 30 years old and shit like that. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I, nothing, I nothing is like that. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think about that constantly. Like I, I had a website, um, for, I don't know. Jumbro.com. No, I know it was this one. Kyle actually named this one. It was verb slap. 
Um, oh, I remember verb okay. slap. Yeah, it was oh, like God. 10 of my friends writing on this thing like right after college. I thought we agreed we'd never tell anyone about that. Mo- most of the articles <laughs> on there are like absolute garbage. Um, but there are some really funny ones on there. And like I uh, like let the domain die a while ago and we lost everything. And um, and I like found a few articles recently on the Wayback Machine. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like hideous to look at and be like, wow, like we were not good writers back then. Um, but also... Like it's really cool to see because it's like you get to kind of get like a little bit of a glimpse into like where you were at at that point in your life. Oh, totally. Yeah, I have these old like something dot wordpress dot com. I got like a bunch of those. Mm. I mean, I've been blogging for a while, like mm. ten years, really. But like, and then it is just like my life. And that's, my favorites are like when I'm in my twenties. I have these like declarations. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm gonna be a famous music. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna move to Austin. I know it, you guys. I know what my rest of my life's gonna be like. And then like two years later, you're like, I know what it's gonna be. And it's totally different. You know, and it's yeah. like it's just watching myself like do this over and over again. I'm like, huh. And there are millions of teenage, millions of people in their thirties now. They're just like, yeah. I had a live journal once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, you know, I'm like 30 years old reading this. I'm like. Huh. That guy doesn't know anything. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a second, man. Yeah. Well, I will say, though, like, uh, in my experience, at least, like, you find these little tidbits where you're just like, wow, like, I actually had some foresight there. Yeah. And, you know, that's the cool part. And that's the part where I'm like, no, I've never looked at something that I wrote a while ago and thought, yeah, this guy gets glad it. You good then. Glad yeah. you had that experience. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're so like, rare. A specific, but. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean like it's, it's, I think about that quite often because it's like, uh, we actually had a guest on the show months and months ago who talked about, um, his, he, he writes for wired in the New York times magazine. And mm-hmm. he literally only writes articles that he, like he looks at everything he writes and he says like 20 years from now, like, what is this going to read like? Mm-hmm. Um, and he won't write anything that, you know, won't be relevant a year from now or two years from now because he thinks that it's just a waste of his time. Um, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't write topical stuff. Um, I just posted a thing about that was inspired by the current political scene, mm. but it was it was still it's an evergreen piece. It's a piece about you know as the name that was it's not okay to be silent anymore, and it was about you know like this experience I had about I was walking through Natick, Massachusetts, and there was this like this jeep pulled up, and the, the, this jeep had, was like was like pulled up next to this old lady in a Cadillac and I guess like she had like just cut them off or something weird and these high school kids like being just total jerks like one of the kids like staring out the window and it was like he was like his head was at the window he was like he was like pull up he's like yo I'm gonna stare her down and I was like what the I was like was this happening here and I noticed that you know normally I normally I don't know if I would have said something or not I mean it was shitty but she was about to take a right turn but I've been so fucking frustrated with this, this the, the stupidity of our fucking world right now that I was like, you, you know what? Fuck it. Like, it's not okay to be silent anymore. It's not okay to just sit by and watch stupid people do shitty things. So I was like, hey, motherfucker, like, stop it. You know? And then he's like, and he, like he stops and then he drives off, you know? But I was like, I was like, wow, like, I am actually fed up with stupidity. And thank, thank you, you know, Donald Trump for this. Like, the silver lining in all this craziness is then like, I don't, I have less patience for like not speaking up. So that I didn't, I didn't necessarily bring in Donald Trump in the election, Mm. but that was a piece that was inspired by carnivores, but I definitely did not want to make it something that would have just been irrelevant in a month because I, I really believe in like stuff that can last forever. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that this will be relevant in a month, but, um, (laughs) but I see, I see the idea. Or at least the next four years. Um, I don't, I feel like that's a, that's a common theme now in the blogosphere is to try and 
I guess what I'm trying to get at, no, not write something lasting, but try and deduct uh, from current events. So why do you why do you think that not including Trump makes it more powerful for your message? I don't know that makes it more powerful. It's just that it, it's an that evergreen mm-hmm. content, right? It's something that that like I do. I want to write something like some of the like the posts that I've written that that are you know because every once in a while I'll just write a really really fucking good post, you know, and it's. And it just pays dividends every month. And it's these are posts I've written years ago. But the people are still reading them, still loving them, you know, and it's like I wanna be doing I wanna be putting work into things that will like you know, I wanna I wanna buy the article, not lease it, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's like I wanna just own it and then then it keeps coming back. So, you know, but it's tempting because sometimes the topical stuff can obviously be really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think you can write a topical thing that 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 refers because even like that article about rape actually I wrote it after the grab by the pussy thing you know so it was like the it was relevant but it didn't talk about I wasn't mentioning Donald Trump and all that kind of stuff it was just like hey I think we need to talk about consent here because yeah. hello for obvious reasons, but I yeah. think we're always going to need to talk about consent you know yeah. so it's like that's I do try to make that but I don't I don't make it about something that that is going to be gone in four years or eight so when years you reference so you feel like when you reference things that are happening in the daily news cycle it limits the longevity of the post like you I think, think so. if people see it four years from now they won't click on it if it has trump's name in it uh i think so okay yeah i don't know but that's, my, well, that's always my been idea. interesting God, this is yeah. a world that i have no insight into as someone who doesn't blog so yeah you should just start a fake news website well no it's I always mean, interesting those, those make you a ton of money but this is a form of it's always yeah. interesting to find out these tidbits about writing it's like it's something yeah. i wouldn't have thought of but it makes total sense for yeah. you if you, you know because you're still writing about current events they just happen to be uh lensed through like the general sense of what's going on yeah and i don't even normally try to write about current events lens through what's going on it just happens that way sometimes but i heard tim ferris say that once about he just tries to do evergreen posts you know okay. he doesn't try to, and i was like oh that's interesting yeah i can see that yeah uh, that's kind of how it's trending anyways um i want to ask you guys the question i ask at the end of my show um uh, and you can answer it individually um Ooh. so it's <laughs> right, so Kyle, you're the, going first this is the question um uh so if you were to write yourself a note and you could slip it back through the fabric of time to yourself as a young writer, whatever you think that would be, maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know. But to you, with like maybe when you're starting out as in this body of work, um, what, would you, what would you write in that note if that young Kyle oh could God. read it? Start earlier. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be too late I, at that point. Start, start earlier, earlier, write more. Um, what was it Mel Gibson said on the night? on the the i'm gonna quote mel gibson right now he said it on like stephen colbert the other night he's like shut the fuck up that's probably what i would say to myself if i could say something it's like shut up and save money yeah yeah what what what, what were you saying that you would wanted to shut up or like, uh, what was the what would shut up mean to you i feel like i learned too late in life that if you just listen to what people are actually saying as opposed to trying to interpret it for yourself you get a lot more uh you, it's particularly evident with things like writing groups. Yeah. Um, one of my many terrible habits is to just jump to what I think is happening and start getting defensive about it, trying to defend myself, trying to argue. I love to argue. Uh, oh, weird. I didn't know that. You. Yeah. <laughs> you may hear that coming through in the podcast at different times. Um, but it's just, it's a terrible habit that I've spent a lifetime so far trying to get better about dealing with because my natural inclination is always to just 
jump in and disagree. Yeah. And I feel like if I had learned this lesson earlier, I might be farther than I am right now. Um, and I wish I had more time to spend developing what I already know I need to do, which is listening more and learning. Nice. And maybe in particular listening to Jeff. Jeff is exempt from this rule. <laughs> he will listen to me forever and he knows it. That's why he's so scared. That's like, if you ask him in 10 years, boy, I wish I'd listen to Jeff back yeah. in that This is a lifetime commitment, yeah. Kyle. Mm. Well, these, li- these words live forever. Right? I just want everybody to know that Jeff is wrong. If, right. if, if I were to answer the exact same question, I yeah. would say that I... Uh, you know, I, I studied writing in English in college. Uh-huh. Um, I thought it was like some big wig because I double majored. Yeah. Um, and then I got out of school and realized that I had not the first clue what to write about. Mm. So I think that something that a lot of aspiring writers really like look over is that you need kind of a base of knowledge. And sometimes that's life experience and sometimes that's like a science degree and sometimes that's, you know, an understanding of how the world economy works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but get out there. Like, if you really want to write, you'll find a way to do it. You don't need to, like, sit there and study how people do it all the time. Um, you know, live. And then yeah. you'll be able to, like, put that on paper. I believe there's a beautiful quote by Henry David Thoreau. It says, uh, how vain it is to sit down and write if I have not yet stood up to live. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to steal that. I like that. I also have a better answer. And you can use this one instead of the one that I gave before. <laughs> um, I would say a lot of things to my younger self. But the first and foremost thing would probably be to commit, you know, the thing that I was saying earlier, it's like commit to your hobbies and don't let anybody else tell you they're stupid. Nice. Um, that's another lifelong lesson that I wish I'd learned earlier is that everyone at some point will tell you what you're doing is dumb. And if you enjoy it, if you enjoy spending time doing it and you feel it's worthwhile, embrace it, get the most out of it you possibly can. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I might make that the soundbite from the beginning. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Usually this question actually lends itself to the soundbite. It's oh, like nice. a little answer, like I would, a so side was, benefit to that. I was like listening to nice. your show earlier, and I'm just like, where the fuck do you get these? Like, these it's are har- awesome soundbites. Sometimes I go through and I look for laughter in the tracks, yeah. which is like consistent waves, Ooh. you know, which is always kind of, if you're laughing, you're typically yeah. saying something interesting. I laugh um, at everything. So. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> this has been you. fun. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, thanks so, for having us, man. So for people who are listening on the Writers Who Don't Write podcast, this is Dave Buddha of Darken the Page. People who are listening to Darken the Page, this is Jeff and Kyle of Writers Who Don't Write. We'll link to these in the show notes and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah a pleasure joining you guys in the tribeca area yeah today. this was fun yeah uh, we, we went up a couple notches in life today we did yeah, we leveled up yeah we did <laughs> whatever you do don't listen to jeff <laughs> right. thanks for listening to this episode of dark and pain Jeff and Kyle from the podcast Writers Who Don't Write. Go over to iTunes and subscribe to their podcast. It's easy to find. Just type in Writers Who Don't Write and you'll find them. And while you're over there, leave Dark on a Page a review. Uh, that would be great. Um, there's about 67 reviews up there right now. It's always nice to hear from people and it really helps out the iTunes SEO. Like when people search for podcasts, the ones that have the most reviews come up first. So, um, Thanks for doing that. Thanks for all the people that have left reviews so far. I really appreciate it. Um, As always, you can reach me at darkenthepage at gmail.com. I look forward to posting more episodes in the future. That'll probably happen in the next month, for sure. And thanks for your patronage. Thanks for your emails. Thanks for 
Facebook likes and shares and all that kind of jazz. Um, looking forward to a more good conversations about writing in the future. And so until then, go make great art.